Welcome to the Fod Eater Fod Path. <laughs> what is up, everybody? It is Froth here. Welcome to the Thought Eater Podcast. I hope you're doing well, and I really appreciate you listening. We are back again to Hump Day. Back again to Wednesday. That means Hump Day Bloggerama weekly show where I take you on a little guided tour around the RPG blogosphere. We discuss uh, some things that caught my eye on the podcast, and then you can go over to the Thought Eater blog, and I'll have all the links that we talk about in order for you to check out over there. Just Google Thought Eater blog or go to frothsofdnd.blogspot.com. The SOF stands for side of fries, but we're not going to get into that right now. And I was thinking about this today. Just want people to know I really do appreciate you listening because there are so many good podcasts, so many cool streaming shows, just regular shows, so many awesome things that you can be doing with your time. And so I'm thrilled that you're spending a little time with Old Frost. So thank you very much. I really do appreciate it. And, um, you know, I say it every week, but this is a gargantuan show here. This is a massive, massive show. Tons of awesome stuff. Tons of awesome stuff. And it's just a weekly eruption from the from the blogs of awesomeness. And uh, this week was uh, outrageous. So I've got tons of awesome stuff I can't wait to talk to you about. First, I want to get to a couple of voice messages. Now, these have to do with... Last Friday's show, uh, last Friday I did a kind of a follow-up podcast where I had reached out to GMs, Anchorites, you know, legendary Anchorites, a podcast here on Anchor and folks all over social media that I'm following along with, asking them what they consider to be their greatest weakness as a GM. And I got a lot of responses. So last Friday, um, I put up a podcast. If you haven't checked it out, go up and check it out. Uh, discussing the feedback I got from uh, GMs talking about, you know, what they can work on, what they can, what their biggest struggle is, or what, you know, what they consider their Achilles heel or what have you. And, um, I'm really happy with the way it turned out. It was a lot of fun to do. I, I think it was probably one of my favorite shows that I've done. So, um, anyway, I, I thought it was a really good discussion and it was really interesting hearing a lot of different perspectives. You might hear like a grinding sound in the background. That is my dog, Rosie. I got her a new bone today and she is going at it. <laughs> you know, anchors punk rock podcasting. So, you know, you got dogs chewing bones and things like that going on in the background. <laughs> But uh, let's listen to a few of these messages and see what folks had to say about last Friday's GM's Greatest Weakness episode. Hey Froth, it's Che from Roleplay Rescue. I'm about five and a half minutes into episode 129 on GM weaknesses. Just been listening to you and Whisk talking about procrastination. I just wanted to echo your feeling about, you know, the thing you love most, you procrastinate about. I passionately love um, role-playing games. I totally and amazingly love running games and playing games. But, oh my goodness, do I procrastinate too? And um, I don't know what it is, but you were talking about maybe it's the froth brain. I just think it's maybe something to do with, you know, not wanting to push your hobby into uh, work. Because for me, I know how to beat that. I can turn it into a task list and I can nail it like I would at work. But I don't want it to be work. Anyway, that's my two cents. 
Game on, dude. That is Che Webster there from the excellent, outstanding Roleplay Rescue podcast, another legendary Anchorite podcast here on Anchor. And I appreciate the call in, and I think you're on to something there. I think that's a really keen insight. It's maybe not something that's like in the forefront of my conscious mind, but it's like subconsciously equating equating it to work maybe i get that uh yeah you don't want your hobbies to turn into chores at all uh sucks the fun right out of it and i've been there a few times in some games where uh, it was just maybe just out of a sense of duty more than a sense of fun that i was running it don't want to ever be back in that spot again so i think that might very well have something to do with it um you know but uh, yeah so it, Last week, I was, you know, my, my Achilles heel is definitely procrastination. So that's kind of what we're talking about. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think that is some keen insight there, Mr. Webster. Hey, Jason from Nerds RPG Varietycast. Just want to comment real quick on your GM Share the Weaknesses episode. I think it was a great episode. I really enjoyed your commentary and your comments. I actually had run a game yesterday morning. I shouldn't be saying date, should I? So, I ran a game Sunday morning on the 3rd of November for, it was a ICRPG hack of Colonial Gothic. And I had the players investigating or being sent by the Colonial Governor of New Jersey, William Franklin, that was Ben Franklin's son, to investigate the le- stories of the Leeds Devil, which is, nowadays we call the Jersey Devil. And it worked really well, but I wasn't as prepared as I should have been for that game. So I ended up you know, creating NPC personalities and all on the fly. And I guess I did okay. So with the NPCs, I wasn't quite prepared, but I was smart enough to make a list ahead of time of NPC names because we're playing in Colonial America. So I needed names like Hezekiah and Ebenezer and whatnot. So I made 10 male, 10 female names. And as I needed a new NPC, I just took the next name on the list. And then I jotted notes next to them, you know, red hair, grumpy, whatever. So I could refer back to that snippet on who that NPC was. And what really threw me for a loop was I was playing the game Lucy Goosey. And my intention was, so the Jersey Devil supposedly was threatening this guy's property. And he was seen at night. So I expect him to set up a, a stakeout at night. And then I had it all planned out how I was going to do it. Well, they ended up coming across the perpetrators during the day. And so I had to, had to wing it. And I think I did okay. Luckily, the session it was near the end of the session, so I was able to get it to a stopping point, and I'll have time to prep before next session. It seems to me if I'd been running a railroad, it would have been a lot easier. But I tend to be the kind of GM that if a player asks if they can do something, I say, sure you can. And I let the dice make the decisions, you know, so I don't fudge dice rolls and whatever I roll. You know, if it means they find a clue I wasn't ready for them to find, well, they find that clue. So I kind of let those two things guide the game. So it kind of went somewhere I wasn't expecting and I had to react. And I'm not unhappy how it went. I, I think I was a little bit a little bit sluggish at the end there, but I'll have time to prep for next session. So it's cool. But anyway, I I just wanted to thank you again for all the comments you made and, and everybody who called into your show and comment on your show on social media. I think that GM weakness episode is a very useful and great resource and everybody should definitely save it and, and re-listen to it now and then. Cause I think there's some great stuff there. Take care. 
That is Jason there from Nerds RPG Variety Cast. And first, I'd say thank you very much. I'm glad you enjoyed the episode. I really enjoyed it too. And I'm super thankful to you and all the other anchorites and folks on social media that that made comments or call-ins to actually, you know, turn it into an episode. Like, I am so grateful to people for responding uh, because it, it, you know, without that, there was no episode and, uh, that's what made it good. So, um, so I'm glad you enjoyed it. I enjoyed putting it together and that is some interesting stuff that you're talking about with your game. Uh, I love, it's a cool, it's not really, I guess you can't call it a technique cause you can't guarantee it's going to happen, but it, it's nice when it works out where you you know, you run into something right towards the end of the session and you're able to kind of leave that as a cliffhanger and then it gives you time to prepare for it, you know, then for the next session. I love it when it works out that way. Uh, and just a couple of things about colonial Gothic, like I'm, I'm not surprised that you're running it with a different system. Colonial Gothic has so much promise, you know, the premise of it is so good, like a weird colonial, you know, colonial horror thing, but it is a game that, you know, a lot of systems kind of get better with the new edition or get more refined. And that is one that got kind of worse. The editing got worse. The system got worse and worse with each edition. And I'm not, not trying to dog on the creator. I follow them on social media. I can tell they're a good person and, and they're creative and, and everything. But the, the, um, the best colonial Gothic was just the first, first edition but unfortunately, the first edition is kind of bare bones and doesn't have like really any like a bestiary or, uh, you know, a lot of stuff with it. What's interesting is that now I'm sure you've heard, I don't know if other listeners have heard, but uh, the Zweihander, you know, uh, Daniel Fox from uh, Zweihander, it's kind of like a Warhammer clone is going to make an addition of colonial Gothic. So it'll be colonial Gothic, you know, with kind of Warhammer rules. I guess it's mostly like Warhammer fantasy two E, you know, on acid or something, you know, greatly expanded or so, uh, we'll see what that's like. But, um, anyway, I just colonial Gothic. It's like, I, I kept buying more and more stuff. Like it's got to get good at some point, but I end up with a bunch of books that are just, uh, it's just, uh, kind of like you you did uh, to run it. I think I I'll, I'll use another system. So unfortunately, um, but appreciate the call. Let's hear from Liren from Updates from Middle of Nowhere. Hey Froth, it's Liren from Updates from the Middle of Nowhere. I'm listening to your GM Weakness episode, and oh my gosh, I have never GM'd a game, but I can only imagine it's really stressful. I have played in a couple of games where I've watched my husband handle things that I'm like, whoo, dude, I don't know what I would have done right there. For example, um, years ago, the first time I ever went to Dexcon with him, this is probably 12 years ago now, uh, there was a guy who came to a story game, a, a primetime adventures game, who thought you had to roll dice for everything, and he just could not narrate something without rolling dice. And... That would have been fine. My husband was like, go ahead and roll the dice if that's what you want to do. But he expected everyone else to do it too. And by the end of that session, I don't know how everybody wasn't just like, okay, mic drop, never mind. <laughs> so I know I was getting frustrated. And the guy was too. I wasn't mad at him. Okay, gonna pull a Jackson. 
Another scenario I see my husband handle happens in our Monday game right now in that that game is really, he's just letting it be free form. So the players are really deciding what happens. He will put things in front of us and we will decide what to do. So a couple times it's a space scrapper game and a couple times we'll go out and scrap a ship. But one entire episode happened on the ship because a guy got nitrogen narcosis and we were trying to figure out how to handle that and all this other stuff. So it is really fascinating to me how that game goes all over the place and I love it. I am having so much fun playing that game. It is crazy. Anyway, um, I love this episode. Thank you so much for this. I hope all you GMs out there find some solace and some confidence because let me tell you, us players really appreciate you a lot. So thank you for all that you do. And thanks to you too, Froth. Hey Froth, Liren again. I was just thinking about the way that I've been playing in our Monday night game as I've been running errands and wanted to call back and say that when I first started, I was super tenuous. Like, I didn't want to mess up and have everyone mad at me because we lost. Hello, like you don't win RPGs. But it's just so ingrained in me that when you play a game, you don't want to make your team lose, you know? So it's been an interesting kind of progression for me to dive in and to think more of, hold on, because we're telling a story here. So what will make the story interesting? Instead of being like, what if I do something and get our whole party in a big mess, you know? So anyway, it's getting to be more and more fun. And I might even play in Dave Aldridge's Black Hat game tomorrow. We'll see if I get that brave. <laughs> anyway, thanks. That is Liren there from Updates from the Middle of Nowhere. Awesome to hear from you, Liren. And if y'all are listening to her there, you know, she podcasts here on Anchor. Also, her husband, Jeff Collier, does the Tome of All Dooms podcast here on Anchor as well. And uh, I know that your husband does, a, you know, has ran a lot of games at conventions. So that gets into some whole next level GMing when you've ran a lot of games for total strangers, that is some Jedi GM. <laughs> As, uh, you know, uh, that is some, some advanced level stuff when you're, you know, kind of dealing with complete and total strangers at the table a lot. Um, but, uh, thank you for, for the anecdotes and everything. And I'm glad you're having some fun playing games and, you know, it's interesting you're talking about kind of that shift of kind of expectations when you're new to the game. I, I, I'm playing in a new 5e game with a friend of mine. For, I've gamed with him for a, for a while, and another member of the group uh, was in another one of my game groups for a while. So a couple of experienced players, and but everyone else is completely brand new, completely brand new. And it's always interesting... I think it's great playing with new players. A lot of times they just take to it so so quickly and, and have such a great time. And they're kind of, you know, maybe they don't, you know, maybe their expectations, they don't know what to do. Or they're kind of asking questions that, 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 you know, maybe we take for granted after you've been playing for a while. But there's a real purity there. And, and, and when they get into it and get into the story, it's really magical. And it's the closest you can come, you know, that and like running games for your kids is like the closest you can come to reliving, you know, your own first experiences playing games. And it's just pure, you know, playing RPGs and it's just pure joy and great memories, that, that freedom and that fun of it. So uh, that is awesome stuff. And it was really good to hear from you. 
All right, so let's get into the meat of the episode. And remember, all this stuff is listed. All these links are listed in order over at the Thought Eater blog. Uh, make it handy dandy for you. So, But uh, over the month of October, there has been a lot of celebration of Dave Arneson. Uh, Arneson Appreciation Month from the Anchorite. So a lot of folks podcasting here on Anchor. I've done all kinds of Dave Arneson theme podcasts. There's been lots of bloggers blogging for Dave Arneson game day and, and everything. And so as October is drawn to a close, uh, you know, it was really cool and it was really awesome to see Arneson getting celebrated. And I have a couple of things to wrap up the month. I came across this blog that is relatively new, osrgrimoire.blogspot.com. And this blog is Paleo Logos's blog. It is off to a rocking start. I mean, it's only seven posts in, but oh my goodness. It has got a ton of Arneson stuff and it is deep, you know, hardcore, awesome stuff. So there are um, Blackmore, original Blackmore blogs from the Domesday book, um, hand-drawn. I put up an image of one of those. I put up an image of a hand-drawn Arneson's drawing to the entrance of Blackmore Castle, from the Legends of Wargaming exhibit at GaryCon. There's uh, origin, a bunch of original maps from Blackmore. It's all focused on Blackmore and everything. And uh, it is a killer, killer blog. And so this was seemed like a really awesome way to go out of Arneson Month here. Uh, this is one, if you're into the history of the game, into Arneson, into the history of Blackmore, early artifacts from D&D, this is one to put on your blog roll, bookmark it, go check it out. I just put the link to the blog because so many of the posts are fascinating. So this is great stuff. Great, 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 great stuff. So um, Paleo Logos over there um, has got some access and some knowledge. And so it's, it is awesome. So a great way to go out celebrating Arneson Month. And the other uh, thing I wanted to mention, wrapping this up, Ray Otis, Legendary Anchorite, Plundergrounds podcast, Viridian Scroll blog. I put up a, uh, did a um, podcast celebrating the AAA games, Anchorites Appreciate Arneson games. And over the last couple of hump days under the free stuff section, I'd mentioned some of these that I'd spotted. Osseus, free game from Free Thrall from Keep Off the Borderlands. Just last week, I mentioned Pete Jones, uh, their Dragons Are Real um, zine number three with a Scream and Scream Again game, as well as Dave Aldridge from Deep Percentile's Spooky House game. couple that I had missed, uh, but I didn't miss them now, thanks to Ray, is uh, Base 6 from Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast and Us vs. Earth from TJ Drennan of Malodorous Miasma Meltdown. So over on the the blog, you know, the accompanying blog for this uh, podcast, I've got a link to Ray's podcast where Ray talks about all these different games that people did in honor of Arneson. And then I've got links to the two that uh, I haven't put up yet uh, over the last couple of weeks. So you'll get a link to that one um, from TJ and the one from Jason. So anyway, I, I thought this was an awesome celebration of Arneson all throughout October. It was awesome hearing all these podcasts, reading all these blog posts. Great to see Arneson get celebrated this way. And maybe this will become a, you know, a tradition on from Anchor Podcasters. We'll see. 
Well, Halloween has come and gone. I hope you had a good one. Um, as you might imagine, tons of bloggers were putting up Halloween themed posts and it's impossible for me to cover all of them, but I picked out a few that I thought were kind of interesting. One was over at map of the week, map of the week.blogspot.com. They put up a post witches and ghosts with some Halloween kind of related maps, uh, including a clickable map of witches in Scotland. Uh, taken from a list containing records of all the recorded accused witches in Scotland from 1563 to 1736. So that was some strange stuff over at Map of the Week. Then over at the Roll of the Dice blog, abraxarba.blogspot.com, A-B-R-A-X-A-R-B-A.blogspot.com. You know, I've been showing some, um, some chill second edition art off over the last couple of hump days. And they put up a post sharing some of Jim Holloway's awesome first edition chill art. So a bunch of different images from this. If you've never seen this stuff before, it's really cool. Uh, definitely really cool. So uh, that was a cool Halloween theme post. Check out some of that first edition chill stuff over at the Roll of the Dice blog. Then over at Rand Roll, this is a, uh, a site that just focuses on random tools and tables. They put up a cool post, Duncan Thompson over there, 5e D&D Horror Encounter Tables for Halloween. It's got all kinds of stuff. Uh, haunted house levels, sites of the dead, evil cults, lonely roads. Uh, really cool. So uh, if you want to go over, if you're into random tables, which you very well might be if you're listening to this show, you can go over to randroll.com and check out that post, 5e D&D Horror Encounter Tables for Halloween. And then finally, the other uh, Halloween-related thing that I thought was really good was uh, over at dumpstatadventures.com, the Dumpstat blog. Deep dive into the vampire. And so they go through the history of D&D from OD&D all the way up to the current edition and talk about the different mechanics of vampires, how they worked, little um, you know bits of information and stuff about it. So really cool post, kind of the history of the vampire throughout D&D. So I really enjoyed that a lot. Anyway, I hope everybody had a good Halloween. We had some fun. Just went uh, trick-or-treating in the neighborhood. You know, it was supposed to maybe pour down rain, raining, and it did for most of the day, but it let up, you know, just with enough time to trick-or-treat. But it scared off, you know, seems like, you know, usually we have a lot of kids kind of roam in the neighborhood. I think my daughter and one other kid were the only ones we saw. I think most everyone else, you know, usually when it rains or whatever, the mall in town here will, will hold Halloween. And kids will go, you know, maybe we should have done that because it was pretty cold too. But but it was all right. Um, there were still some, you know, some people at home with some candy. So <laughs> we still got more candy than we can really eat in a year. So it was successful. It just wasn't, uh, it was just a little bit different than it was most years. Um, my daughter had this little cat outfit. My wife had bought this full on Chewbacca outfit and it was really cool. Cause like the mask, you put the mask on and if you just kind of move your chin, it'll do a, you know, <laughs> and I just had, uh, I just had some Dobby ears that they made for me. They, they've been really, in, my daughter's been really into Harry Potter and, um, so, uh, they, they made just some like Dobby ears for me to wear. So I just, <laughs> 
Uh, I, I look, just look pretty strange wandering around. Luckily, I had a kid or something with me. Otherwise, maybe somebody might have called the police on me. <laughs> anyway, happy Halloween. The map segment of Hump Day Bloggerama is proudly brought to you by Frank Turfler, legendary anchorite of Frank T's Liner Notes. I've been backing Frank T's Patreon for a while. High quality, full color, world class battle maps, sci-fi, fantasy, and otherwise. Innovative print and paste terrain that brings your table to life. Multiple support tiers, including a commercial tier, which will allow you to use Frank T's creations in your own commercial projects. You can sample some of the quality of the work by looking for Frank's free map Friday posts. So whether you are a creator that is looking for some cartography for a new project, whether you are a GM gaming online or in person at the table, or you're just like Froth, a map junkie, and you can't get enough of this stuff, go right now to patreon.com forward slash Frank T and check it out. Have I got some killer map stuff for y'all this week? I'll tell you what, map stuff this week is choice. Over at sageadvice.eu, they put up a link to all these images of the original Forgotten Realms maps drawn by Ed Greenwood himself. Um, detailed images of it. It looks like it's kind of been preserved, uh, you know, laminated to be preserved. Uh, but what a cool artifact this is. Uh, you know, as earlier I was talking about these old Blackmore maps, these kind of priceless artifacts of gaming. And this is another one, you know, Forgotten Realms is not my favorite setting of all time by any stretch, but I really do like that original first edition box. And, um, you know, there's no denying that uh, Greenwood is super creative and has done a lot to further the hobby. And it was just really, really cool seeing the original hand-drawn by Greenwood himself, Forgotten Realms map. So be sure and check out some of these images. Really, really neat, uh, interesting art artifact of gaming. So that is over at sageadvice.eu. Then one of my favorite bloggers, Trey Causey from the Hydra Cooperative, blogs over at sorcererskull.blogspot.com. Love this blog. It's like a mix of great gaming stuff, um, weird pulp stuff, um, comics, and, and all kinds of whatever catches Trey's eye. And it all kind of... Um, you know, takes all these different elements and it all kind of makes sense. Uh, and so if you haven't checked out the, from the sorcerer skull blog, be sure and check it out. Like I say, it's one of my all time favorite blogs. And, uh, one of the things Trey sometimes does, he'll find these maps from, from unique places. Like, uh, I've put up some that Trey had posted before that were like he man, Eternia maps. And another time, um, some from like, I guess it's King, the old King comics company. I believe that's right. But they did, you know, Casper and Richie rich and had a map of like, you know, Richie rich land and where Casper lives and everything. So sometimes there'll be these odd maps. And, and this week, um, Trey put up, well, blow me down Popeye maps. So it's like a map of, uh, I guess uh, I don't know if Sweet Haven is canon. I remember Sweet Haven from the movie, you know, Oh, Sweet Haven, God must love us. I don't know if anybody else remembers that. I remember seeing Popeye, you know, the Robin Williams movie at the theater. And sometimes I'll still sing that Sweet Haven song, you know, 
at odd <laughs> at odd times. Um, but um, y'all are gonna think I'm strange after that. I usually do it when I'm singing. Like I'll sing songs to my daughter, and uh, sometimes I'll just you know change the words to other tunes, and that's one that comes up. But anyway, wow, derailed. Uh, but it's uh, like a, a map of Popeye's hometown that I would I would have thought was Sweet ha- uh, was Sweet Haven, but it doesn't say Sweet Haven anywhere on that. So just a couple of weird old Popeye maps that uh, from comics and stuff. So I thought that was pretty cool. And yeah, I mentioned before how I like you know maps from actual games. You know, it's cool seeing these amazing artwork, amazing artwork, and these really detailed maps and and everything that are really professional, but I also like looking at what people are actually gaming with. And so over at the blog of Exalted Deeds, blog of exaltedeeds.blogspot.com, they put up a post, Session 79, of their ongoing 5th edition D&D campaign, Set in Harn, and they put up a cool map of like a dungeon and what they're working on there. It says Beholder Lair on there. And I just like to look at this. I like seeing what someone else is gaming, you know, seeing what they're, materials and what they they're using looks like it's just something i enjoy and that's from peter c over there at blog of exaltedeeds.blogspot.com and then finally uh, i've talked about the cartographers guild now this is a uh, a forum but you can add them to your 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 feed and you know have occasional posts pop up in your blog roll and I, I noticed a few of these awesome bookmarks people were doing with maps on these bookmarks. These are completely rad. And kind of followed them around back to the Cartographers Guild. Now, to really see these, you would have to see all of them. You would have to register at the um, forum, and you might not want to do that. I've got three up on the blog. You can just see without registering. But if you do feel like taking the time to register, I'd advise it because there is a whole section, a sub forum over there just called bookmarks where people have all done these map uh, bookmarks. And these are just rad. Like, give me a stack of map bookmarks. I would put them in every single RPG book I own. These are incredible. I'll put up three. They're just fantastic. So, um, yeah, I couldn't believe how awesome these were. Uh, like I say, give me a stack of map bookmarks. I do have some pretty cool gaming bookmarks. Uh, whenever I back, uh, uh, astonishing swordsmen, sorcerers of Hyperborea, uh, usually one of the stretch goals for that, Jeff Telanio will do, um, bookmarks with some of the artwork from the modules and everything. So I've got a bunch of those, which are really, really nice to have, but, uh, somebody needs to run a Kickstarter or something with a bunch of these map bookmarks. Cause I would be a backer. That's all I got for maps, but I do want to say again, much appreciation to Frank T. Patreon.com forward slash Frank T. Check it out. Appreciate Frank supporting the map segment of the Hump Day Blogorama. Some reviews and retrospectives to get into. I am starting over at Bryce Lynch's 10 Foot Pole blog, 10footpole.org. I, like I've said before, you know, a lot of the times, you know, Bryce is a tough, tough, but fair reviewer. And, you know, most of the things Bryce is not a fan of, but when Bryce really likes something, I'll try to put it up because, uh, it's usually something worth checking out. Talking about this swords and wizardry adventure called the mud King of Stony Creek by W.R. Beatty for Rose Thorn Publishing. 
And uh, they actually say it's one of the best. In fact, they say, I wish every adventure ever written were at least as good as this. This is my new baseline. I now hold your Rose Thorn adventure up as the platonic example of a journeyman quality adventure. So anyway, that's about as high praise as you're ever going to get out of Bryce Lynch. So if you're into swords and wizardry, want to check this out. Looks like the plot has to do with beavers having dammed up Stony Creek, but the villagers who went to break up the dam have not returned. So kind of like a wilderness, maybe wilderness meets dungeon adventure based on what it says. So, I mean, heck, that's some high praise. Maybe something to check out. The Mud King of Stony Creek reviewed over at 10footpole.org. Then over at Vintage RPG, I've really enjoyed this site, vintagerpg.tumblr.com. They're talking about a game I know nothing about. A look back at Mayfair Games Underground from 1993 and uh, the byline of it is it's 2021 and the dream is dead and they say that uh, it is a satirical ultra political rpg from 1993 so they're you know putting this post up the same week as election day um they say that uh, a lot of the book is going to feel off to modern audiences but something about the spirit of the book seems dead on They've got a bunch of images from it. The artwork looks certainly uh, unusual. So that is a kind of a oddity, uh, you know, maybe kind of a somewhat forgotten game uh, that may be a little bit dated, but still um, you know, look at some of these images and hear some of the subject matter. It might be something you want to take a look at. So you can read a little bit about Underground over at the Vintage RPG Tumblr. Wayne over at Wayne's Books. I'm always talking up Wayne. Really nice person to interact with. And then also, if you're looking for something really hard to find, something obscure, take a shot. Try out Wayne's books and see if Wayne's got it. Uh, Wayne put up a cool post called Days of the Dragon, the 1982 Dungeons & Dragons Fantasy Art Calendar. And it's got a bunch of images from the 1982 uh, calendar. And it interestingly mentions that it could be reused in 2021 and 2027 as the Days of the Week will match up. So... Who knows, you know, 2021 ain't too far away. So maybe, uh, that'd be a cool way to spend the year using an old Dragon Magazine calendar. <laughs> uh, but it's got a bunch of pictures uh, of the artwork and, and stuff from the calendar, stuff from Larry Elmore, um, Errol Otis, and, and a bunch of other stuff. So I thought that was neat. I'd you know, never seen one of these before. So it takes you through month by month, too, and shows you pictures. So you can check out that 1982 Days of the Dragon fantasy art calendar over at waynesbooks.games there is a review of a of a relatively new product the cyberpunk red jumpstart kit kind of the um precursor to the new cyberpunk um coming out from our talsoian games and i'd seen this get mentioned a number of different places getting uh really positive feedback people really enjoying this this is another very positive review from Stephen Panisi. Talks a little bit about the mechanics and everything and the, the subject matter and everything. And so, um, yeah, so this is something that uh, I've got to admit, I've never played much cyberpunk, uh, many cyberpunk-themed games. I never played any of the other previous editions of cyberpunk. Um, but, uh, you know, it's catching my eye with the artwork and the subject matter seems interesting. So if you want to find out more about the Cyberpunk Red Jumpstart Kit, 
This is over at rollingboxcars.com. You can check that out and see if it kind of uh, intrigues you like it did me. All right, another uh, really positive review over at nzgeist, nzgeist.com. This is for a 5e product called Crypto the Science Wizard. And this is uh, put out by Skeeter Green Publishing. And it is really kind of got a real old school looking vibe to it. And I love these 5e products that have like kind of a classic, you know, OSR, you know, vibe and look to them. And this one gets a great, great review. In fact, it says um, they weren't even prepared for how awesome it was. Um, let's see what another comment was. Their complaints were that they want more. We need more modules of this quality. So um, anyway, I think maybe it's based on an OSR adventure and it's been updated for 5e. <clears throat> but uh, anyway, Crypt of the Science Wizard looks really interesting. So... Uh, if you'd like a little old school mixed into your 5e, you know, a little peanut butter in your chocolate, check out Crypt of the Science Wizard. That review is over at nzgeist.com. Uh, what do we have next? Oh, yeah. Tim Brannon. Timothy S. Brannon over at the other side. The other side .com. Did a post monstrous, monstrous Monday review D&D creature catalogs talking about the two Creature Catalogs, the AC9 Creature Catalog from 86 and the DMR2 Creature Catalog from 1993. You know, both these, you know, old TSR products. And these are both really, really good. They do overlap, you know, a lot, and Tim mentions that. But I picked both of these up because, you know, I think there was a sweet spot for collecting D&D sometime right around when 4th Edition wasn't that popular and the OSR had not gotten too um i don't know too pot i don't know too pot when 4e wasn't that popular and the osr wasn't either <laughs> i guess there was a sweet spot right around maybe 2010 when i bought a lot of stuff uh and i was able to find stuff really really cheap now these um, both of these creature catalogs i was able to find just a few years ago and you know there's some products that are like holy grail products that are always expensive and kind of tough to find. Other ones, you know, TSR just didn't print a bunch of them, so they're they're harder to find, not because they were popular, but because they just, you know, there weren't that many of them. And some of like kind of the later modules and stuff are, you know, high, you know, the high Bs or high Xs sometimes can be that way. Uh but these I was able to find both really, really cheap. And so I haven't looked recently, you know, since I own them, I haven't looked. But these are really, really good monster books. Very substantial, you know. Uh, so it's like one's got like 150 monsters. One's got almost, one's got 158. And so, they're you know, they're very useful books filled with uh, creatures. It's very substantial books. But I was able to find, uh, you know, in decent shape pretty cheap i think i got both of them under 10 bucks i can't promise you you're going to find them for that but these were not ones that were so popular that there's this huge following out there where you know you know you're getting gouged on ebay for them or anything like that so anyway if you want to see what these two creature catalogs were all about it's a it's a good little overview from tim over at the other side blog save this one for last and this is frustrating because while um 
Nate Treem over at the Highland Paranormal Society is reviewing this, natetreem.com. While the version Nate Treem is reviewing of this is a print version, I have gone and checked this person's stuff out. Dungeon on a Dime is the name of the series of these kind of zine adventures. And two of them are out of print, including this one that gets reviewed. You can still get it in PDF. But y'all, please go and check this out and look at the quality of this thing. It reminds me of something like Hydro Cooperative would do. The graphic design is really cool, almost kind of retro-y and a little bit sort of retro-y in a way. Um, kind of comic-y and, and, uh, but you know, these, these kind of zine style adventures come with maps, with paper minis and, uh, the artwork is outstanding and they're reviewing this one, Blood and the Water, one of these dungeons on a dime adventures. And you can go to doad.co.uk to see more of this person's work for this dungeons on a dime stuff. This is based out of England. There's only one more left uh, of the three that have been released so far that's still in print. Two of them, including this Blood in the Water, are out of print. However, if you if you don't mind PDFs, you know you get all all three of them still. But uh, these are for 5e, but they are unbelievable. The production quality of these is being I mean, bar raised. I mean, these look amazing. So. Um, yeah, truth be told confession. I've already PM'd, uh, the person that puts out dungeon on a dime, seeing if they've still got, <laughs> seeing if they've still got just a hidden away copy of these other two is I want to order all three just, you know, right now. So I don't know. We'll see if they've got a hidden stash of these hidden away and might consider selling them to me. Just not a big PDF guy, you know? But my God, this looks outstanding. So if you want to get get a look at this high, high production quality um, uh, Dungeons on a Dime Blood in the Water module, you can go over and check that out at natetream.com. Okay, you know what time it is. Rolling, rolling, rolling. We're going to roll on some random tables. I like to do this every week. Uh, every week bloggers put out so many cool random tables, uh, you know, and it's just something I really enjoy. So it's a weekly feature here on the hump day bloggerama. And we're going over to the Mance blog, the Mance gaming.blogspot.com cackle charm over here. One of the real talents of, uh, making random tables. So, uh, and also very prolific. So I end up over at the Mance, uh, quite a bit. They've been doing this orc week. So they've put up all these posts that have to do with orcs. And one that really, for some reason, you know, tickled my fancy was this one called Gossip from the Orc Slave Pits. So the idea here is that you're orc slaves, and this is just some random gossip that's going around the orc slave pits, you know, just some gossip as you're, you know, working away for the orcs. Let's see. An orc gave me a shawl blanket today. I don't know what he wants from me. <laughs> so, I don't know if anybody else will find this as funny as me. But Let's see. An orc made me lick his hooves today. I'm going to kill that piece of shit. <laughs> oh, I don't know if anybody finds these as funny as I do. I just thought it was such a clever idea. Gossip from the orc slave pits. Uh, let's do one more. 
The orcs are considering doubling human rations, but don't eat them. It's made of people. So there's just some things you might, you know, the word, word going around the old orc slave pits. Check that out over at themansgaming.blogspot.com. Let's see. Over at the Songbirds blog, inside the giant's eye.blogspot.com. What's up, kitty? Wow. 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 Yeah. Kitty says hi. Uh, so this is 2D6 potions in the vending machine at the inside the giant's eye.blogspot.com blog, Songbirds blog. And this is. Uh, they don't have their name on here. Maybe they do. There's a link to a book. John Battle. Uh, 2D6 potions in the vending machine. So let's see what we get. What potion we get? Tuesday. It's name of this potion. Drink this and you'll return to last Tuesday. <laughs> let's do one more. 2D6 potions in the vending machine. King Monkey. You grow a monkey tail. It rips through your pants and drags on the ground. If the tail is cut off before the sun goes down, you are cursed to become a monkey every night at sundown. So yeah, some weird potions in the vending machine. I like these. This is over at, again, the Songbirds blog, inside the giantseye.blogspot.com. And then the final uh, random table generator uh, thing I wanted to mention for this week. This is not something I'm going to roll on because it's really complex and kind of abstract. It's something you might just want to read yourself, but it's called Oracular Dungeon Generation and the Pleasure Palace of the Madman King. And this is at the Was It Likely blog from Joan Smith. Wasitlikely.blogspot.com. Really interesting post. They go into detail about how they like to generate their, their system for generating random dungeons. And they say it involves not only doing a dice drop uh, and scrabbling around with the results like some sort of seer, but it's also very rooted in the idea of letting yourself become a medium in the creative process uh, and the, that process existing outside of yourself in the same way that they really like automatic writing. So you see where I'm going with this. It's getting a little less satiric, a little strange, but it, uh, it, it's actually really interesting. They've got a procedure for how to generate kind of concepts and what they call forces of the dungeon and then some tables and everything on how you put it all together. They even put and uh, do an example dungeon. So it makes more sense to you. Um, from, from you know their methodology. So definitely not a quick thing that Froth can roll on for you, but something that still, uh, if you're into random dungeon generation and, and random tables in general and just using random elements to spur your own creativity, uh, this was a really interesting post at the wasitlikely.blogspot.com blog from Joan Smith. All right, are you still with me? I told you all it was a lot this week. Hope you're still with me because now we're getting into the free stuff. Oh yeah. Someone once said free stuff ruins the hobby. If that's true, we're about to do a lot of hobby ruining over at the <laughs> thought of your podcast. Uh, okay. So frontier Explorer is a zine based on, um, uh, Star Frontiers. Gosh, I thought I was going to have to restart this segment. Froth Brain. It's around this time every week. <laughs> the class, the, you know, the, the semi-classic TSR game, Star Frontiers. 
Still getting supported uh, from Tom Stevens over at FrontierExplorer.org. For a while, there were some, uh, you know, uh, there, this zine stopped coming out because there was some, you know, I, I think Evil Hat, I've talked about this before, I don't know the exact tale of it, but Evil Hat tried to trademark Star Frontiers because the trademark was running out and and then TSR assort, asserted their rights to it. And when that happened, they sent out some cease and desist type deals and Frontier Explorer stopped, you know, took their stuff down. Uh, but now it's kind of like the coast is clear. <laughs> no one cares about Star Frontiers again, <laughs> except us, right? And, uh, and and so Tom Stevens has issue 26 now available. How about that? Issue number 26 of a Star Frontier zine, all for free. How awesome is that? Supporting the, these forgotten games. So Frontier Explorer number 26 up for download for free right now. Check it out. Don't miss it. Now, I was talking about Bearded Devil's work over at bearded-devil.com, their Hex campaign. I was talking about this just last week, and they put up a cool post of the character sheets they made for their players. And it looks like they're playing, you know, a, kind of a spin for, you know, basically 5e, maybe their own spin on it. And I love the artwork of this. It reminds me, now I can put my finger on a little bit of what Bearded Devil's art reminds me of. And I mean this in the high, is a high compliment. Reminds me a little bit of Shel Silverstein, the Shel Silverstein books that I loved so much when I was younger, like The Light in the Attic and Where the Sidewalk Ends. And I put up just an image on the Thought Eater blog of the inventory sheet, which is just outstanding. And then you can go over and check it out the entire character sheet at bearded-devil.com. What an awesome thing to, be, to do um, for your players to make such a cool character sheet. And the vibe and everything is just um, so unusual and so, so neat. So I, I really enjoyed that. Check out that awesome 5e character sheet over at bearded-devil.com. So Ultraviolet Grasslands has come out recently. I have not read it. haven't checked it out. I have to be honest, I was going to back the Kickstarter, and then there were so many Kickstarters right then, and I had a momentary, like, lapse or a momentary, you know, a moment of clarity with with my wallet, and I was thinking, like, do I want to spend all this money on all these things that I know I'm probably never going to play, and I'm just going to buy and put them on the shelf? So there was, like, a moment of restraint I had when the <laughs> Kickstarter for Ultraviolet Grasslands, and there were a couple other things right around that time. I had just a... A, a temporary moment of restraint that's long since passed. So I, it's one I need to pick up now. It's like, what was I thinking? And I'm seeing people talking about it, and it's like, oh, what a fool I was to let that pass me by. But Skirples over at the Coins and Scrolls blog, coinsandscrolls.blogspot.com, has already done a glog hack of ultraviolet grasslands called Ultraviolet Gloglands. And so this is a free download uh hack of ultraviolet grasslands which honestly you may not even have a ch had a chance to check out yet scurples already has a hack up so that was fast so anyway download this for free check that out over at coinsandscrolls.blogspot.com Sp speaking of prolific and that was fast michael prescott does the awesome trilemma adventures you know blog.trilemma.com some of the best you know uh um, Matt, what do you call these maps? Gosh. 
I'm going to have to start this one over. Isometric. Golly. See what y'all do to me? See what this hump day does to me? Some of the best isometric maps you will ever see are drawn by Michael Prescott over at blog.trilemma.com. And they recently, their Kickstarter, you know, did a Kickstarter a while back for something like 50 of these that they've done over the years on their blog and Patreon. And they've released it in PDF now. I'm, uh, I've looked at them all, obviously, because you know, they came out over the years, but I haven't looked at how they, you know, Prescott ad edited them all together and, and ties it all together, but I'm waiting on the, uh, I'm waiting on the, on the nice offset print, you know, killer hardback to get in my hands before I really dig into it, but Prescott stuff, y'all, is world-class. If you're listening to this, you're probably already aware of it. I'm probably not telling you anything you don't know. But if you've never seen Michael Prescott's work, you know, get yourself over to the Trilemma Adventures blog. And, and you know, they just finished, you know, with the their their Kickstarter book coming out and everything. And now they're right back in to doing new ones. So they've got the sequence of deal. They're new. These are kind of like, they're kind of like one page, but they end up like two page dungeons, like two page spreads. They've got the free PDF up, the sequence of deal, another killer map. And uh, Prescott just didn't skip a beat. You know, Kickstarter, successful Kickstarter, books are getting printed, and then back to making these dungeons. So um, unbelievably prolific and talented Prescott, definitely one of the, uh, you know, the heroes of the... Uh, of, of the uh, one-page dungeon, you know, uh, style um, layout. Uh, just a, a master of it and endlessly creative and uh, just a rare talent. So check that out at blog.trilemma.com. Okay, ready for more free stuff? <coughs> Woo! <laughs> Golly. Yeah, this is not your your typical professionally produced podcast. <laughs> I think it's the first time I've sneezed on the podcast. Um, all right, Middle Finger of Vecna. I've talked about him before. One of the best third-party um, homebrew 5e sites. MFOV, you know, for Middle Finger of Vecna. MFOV.MageHandPress.com. Free resources for 5e from Mage Hand Press. They did the School of Arithmetic and Arcane Tradition. And these are where you can, you know, download the PDF. They've got a ton of these, um, you know, class variants and archetypes and stuff. I mean, they've got endless stuff. So if you've never dug in over at Middle Finger of Vecna and you're into 5e and you're not afraid of homebrew, you're going to love me for, for, for pointing you over there. Paper Elemental, paperelemental.blogspot.com. This is Betty Bacon Time's blog. I've mentioned it before. They've got a post, Skeleton Post 2019, a bestiary with over 300 skeleton variants, 42 pages long. Download it for free. Thank you very much, Betty. Betty. <laughs> Thank you very much, Betty Bacon Time. <laughs> Seriously, though. Thank you. Skeleton Bestiary. Check it out. More free stuff. You know, I don't usually refer people over to stuff that's on drive through. There's just tons of always free and pay what you want stuff up there that you can just go and check out. I really like to keep it towards the, you know, just stuff that's straight up posted on blogs. But sometimes I'll go to itch.io if it's a ton of stuff. But um, anyway, this is since this is a friend of the program, Chicago Wiz, I, I, I wanted to mention this. You know, Chicago Wiz is known for their three hex posts. 
like simple campaign starters. These are really popular. And Chicago was a starter new zine, the three hexazine. So no, three hexazine number one is up on drive through free pay what you want. And since I'm just a fan of uh, Chicago Wiz's stuff, I thought I would link this. Obviously, if somebody puts something up as pay what you want, they're cool with you downloading it for free. But they're only asking for a dollar tip. So if you like uh, Chicago Wiz's stuff, go ahead and support them so they want to do more of these awesome zines. So check that out. And then finally on the free stuff. There's been a ton of stuff coming out. Official Dungeons & Dragons. I say official, but it's their you know Unearthed Arcana downloads you know that are kind of playtest material and a lot of times end up in future books and this one i thought i'd spend just a minute talking about because it was really substantial you know they've been doing a lot lately so obviously they're gearing up for some new phb type book because it's a lot of class variants and things like that and this new one that they just came out with is called class feature variants and i downloaded it and looked at it and this is most probably the you know um the most substantial one that I've seen in a long time because it's got all kinds of new variants and, and mechanics for all of the classes. And a lot of them are really interesting. They're the kind of thing where you can swap out one class variant for one of these new ones, or they kind of, someone even saw mentioned was talking about this as like the first major, kind of 5e power creep or first evidence of 5e power creep. Someone even went, I think, way overboard and kind of referred to it as like 5.5 or something. I'm not ready to go that far after reading it. It looks like it just gives you a lot more control of your character and uh, the ability to switch and swap a lot of class features. But anytime you do that, you do kind of, uh, you know, you are opening the door to a lot more min-maxing. But, you know, that was already kind of a, that's already a part of, D and D and has been since the beginning. And certainly five E has been no stranger to that. Uh, there's all kinds of optimization forms and, and threads and stuff. So, um, and there's, you know, if that's your style of game and you're not disruptive at the table, I got no problem with it really. <clears throat> but anyway, I didn't get the vibe of it from that. That's not how I, f I felt about reading it. I thought it was actually pretty interesting and pretty cool. I just think it gives you more control over your character. So, you have the ability where if there's a, a specific class feature or something that doesn't really fit your character or is the kind of thing that you don't end up using, um, you, you have more power to switch into something else that you do like. And so it had things, you know, all kinds of things, things for every character. So this would only be, probably be interested, interesting to obviously the 5e players out there that are listening to this. But if you haven't checked that out yet, it's really, really interesting and it kind of gives you a little look you know, a little look at where 5e might be going. So um, check out that class feature variance download from Wizards. All right, some interesting miscellaneous stuff to be sure this week. Starting over at the PowerScore RPG blog, the campaign 20xx.blogspot.com. So this is just a killer post. Dungeons & Dragons, A Guide to Mordenkainen. So Mordenkainen, the famed character of Gygax himself, the famed archmage from Greyhawk. This goes from talking about the character, tons of links, talking about pretty much every, you know, it's their attempt to catalog every real appearance from Mordenkainen. So this is my 
attempt to grab all the lore about Morning Cannon collected in one place. So it's got everything through the years. You know, the uh, Morning Cannon's fantastic adventure on through all the appearances in magazines, other modules, on up through 5th edition. I've talked before. I, one part I didn't even dignify in Curse of Strahd is the way they treated Morning Cannon in that. It, it's it's ridiculous. Morning Cannon would mop the floor with Strahd um, any day of the week, um, but not in the Curse of Strahd adventure. Uh, but anyway, this is a really, really, really cool post, uh, especially if you're into Greyhawk, uh, uh, with just all kinds of links. Uh, I mean, all the spells researched and created by Morden Kanan, books written by Morden Kanan, you know, from, from, you know, all this lore and from all these different sources. So, uh, uh, what can you say? If you're a Greyhawk fan, you definitely want to check this out. Sean over at the Power Score RPG blog uh, knocked it out of the park with this one. So great post to, to bookmark, and if you're, uh, you know, just a good one. Um, also, uh, yeah, it links over to John Peterson's playing at the World blog, uh, talking about Morden Kanan's stats, and 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 it's just got all kinds of fascinating links. So love that post. Gamehole Con has come and gone, and Tim Snyder from the Savage Afterworld blog, savageafterworld.blogspot.com. Love Tim. Uh, you know, the force behind um, the Crypt World, uh, the chill first edition um, retro clone that's out, and uh, has a lot of creative stuff over their blog. Well, um, they went to Gamehole Con this year, and they've got a series of blog posts taking you day by day, you know, for those of you like me that were not at the con and want to relive it through Tim's um, posts, you know, they take you on the trip there. They take you day by day with a lot of photographs and, and anecdotes. And, um, and so it looks really cool. Gamehole con looks awesome. To be honest with you, that looks like a, the right size for old froth. Um, so maybe one day. But anyway, check that out. Savage Afterworld's a great blog if you've never checked it out. So savageafterworld.blogspot.com, recapping their trip to Gamehole Con. All right, for the final topic, I really didn't want this to be the final topic originally because it's just a sordid kind of soap opera sort of tale. Uh, originally, I wanted to talk about the new 5e D&D survey, but it's already down. And they only just put it up, you know, less than a week ago. And... Um, I mean, I hope people saw it to get to respond to it. You would think they would want to leave that up for a while. Um, you know, is your chance to talk about what settings you want to see and more importantly, what you don't want to see, but, um, it's already down. So that, that was what I intended to talk about for the final topic. But instead I'm going to talk about this soap opera mess of the Gygax estate. Uh, you've probably seen this on various different blogs. I'm referring to the Ruins of Murkhill blog for most of this from Halinar Frosthelm, original dungeons-and-dragons.blogspot.com, but they link to other sites including Facebook and Kotaku. Long and short of it is this, you know, Gail Gygax had sold the rights to, or I guess in principle had allowed, licensed the rights for Gygax's unpublished IP be used by a Hollywood producer named Tom DeSanto, who was going to do something with it, who 
produced X-Men and uh, Transformers. And that ended in lawsuit for, um, uh, amongst other things, fraud. And the lawsuit was dropped recently. But part of the fraud came about uh, saying that Gail Gygax had misrepresented, um, you know, what was her property. And so it came to light what part of that had to have been. And that's from a statement from Robert J. Kuntz, who... Um, basically said that some of what was, uh, you know, uh, you know, of what she had is stolen property. And, um, so the whole thing's real messy and there's been all these articles about Gail Gygax and all this, uh, you know, this recent stuff on the secret of Blackmore, um, article on Kodaku with the, uh, kind of complex, complex, complicated relationship between Kuntz and Gygax. I put up a photo of them at happier times, you know, buddying around. Um, but, you know, I, I can only speculate as to what causes rifts between people. You know, usually there's money involved, and uh, clearly that seems to be the case here. You know, Kuntz, in the same breath as mentioning it's stolen property, does say if he was under contract, he would allow some of this material to be used. And I just hope that something gets worked out because what this is all over is all these completed levels of castle Greyhawk, the mythical mega dungeon castle Greyhawk. Now, apparently this is Kuntz refers to it as the second Greyhawk castle. So clearly it's not the original. They must've at some point though, worked on this together because Kuntz says some of these levels he, he completed some Gygax did and some of them they did themselves together. Like Gygax would do a map and Kuntz would stock it and vice versa. But based on the, the level list that Kuntz claims ownership and um, you know claims that he designed, you can infer that there's at least 40 levels of stocked, mapped Castle Greyhawk that exist. You know, presumably just sitting, you know, hopefully in a safe, but sitting somewhere, you know, just collecting dust and you know, it mentions levels such as the Black Pudding Doorkeeper level, the Entrance to Oz level, the Invisible Maze level, um, the Garden and Giant's Pool Hall level. So all these enigmatic uh, kind of gonzo levels of uh, Castle Greyhawk out there just laying around. And so anyway, I, I didn't want to get too much into... I, I always kind of feel sorry for... Uh, Gail Gygax reading some of this stuff, but, um, then at, on the, at the same time on a pure, from a purely selfish standpoint, you know, I'd love to see this stuff published before I die. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, let's get it together. It's like, whatever it's got to happen, do it for the gamers or something, figure it out because, uh, you know, you've got this mythical, mythical, at least 40 levels looks like more um uh stocked mapped and just sitting around so anyway uh, the links are up if you want to read through that read through Kuntz's statement about it read through a little bit about the lawsuits that have happened and and everything but I, th I think the most interesting thing of all of it is looking at this list of levels and the names for it like the clowning around level uh, the Greater Caverns level, the Emerald City level, uh, the Stalk level, whatever that is. 
Um, looks like there's a whole city of Devers mapped out and keyed. The Fourfold City, Green Dragon Inn. Um, and uh, yeah, so I don't know what else to say about it other than to say it's just a, it's just a shame, isn't it? Uh, to, to know that this thing exists, this mythical thing that I myself... I mean, I remember I did a, uh, a real, one of my earliest podcasts, really rough, on to call the Me- Great Mega Dungeon Roundup. I don't even want to listen back to it. And you can, if, if I'm calling that rough and you, you're listening to this, you can only imagine how rough it is. <laughs> but uh, at some point, you know, I referred to it as the Great Lost, you know, Mythical me- Mega Dungeon. And then, you know, there was some news shortly after that. I think Paul Stormberg or somebody, you know, said that it existed. And so I did like a little addendum. And since then, I've been wanting to hear maybe some more news about it. And unfortunately, it's bad news. You know, it's tied up in lawsuits. Um, So, and then with this lawsuit getting dropped, you know, clearly DeSanto, it doesn't appear like they've got any interest anymore because they can't maybe tell what's what they would own and what they wouldn't. And that kind of makes it impossible to do something with it if you don't know if you're going to get sued later. So, you know, there was that glimmer of hope for a minute to to see this great lost mega dungeon, and now it, it almost seems further away than it ever has. So, anyway, that is what I got for you on the final topic. You can check out those links if you, you want to dive deeper as the mega dungeon turns. Well, that took a while. Hope you stuck with it. A labor of love, hump day bloggerama, I'll tell you. But a good show. I mean, look at the content. I mean, look back at all that. That's one week. It's not the best of the month. It's not the year's best. It's That's one week on the blogosphere. So it's just going to continue churning out. You know, I finish these, and then the same night as I finish them, I'm already looking at the blogs and, and squirreling away little posts and stuff to get ready for the next week. And I'll be honest with you, I cut a lot of stuff from this episode. There was a lot more. It's just, you know, it's just, it's wild. It's wild. So, I mean, I really appreciate the bloggers out there. I mean, this stuff is just, uh, it's a river of awesomeness. I've said that before, but it's just a river of free awesomeness coming at you every week. Dip our toes in a little bit on the hump day bloggerama. But anyway, uh, just, uh, really appreciate you listening. And, uh, you know, look, if you want to support the program, there are a number of ways to do it. I've mentioned this before, but look, if you have a blog, you like what I'm doing, add me to your blog roll. I've probably got you on mine. <laughs> uh, add me to your blog roll. You know, share these posts when you see them on social media. Let someone else know about it. If you're listening to this on any kind of, uh, in any format, like Apple Podcasts, where you can leave a rating, hey, leave a rating, uh, especially if you like it. <laughs> And look, if you want to support me monetarily, it's cheap and easy to do. You go over to patreon.com forward slash thought eater. It's just a dollar a month. You can just set it up. Forget about it. A dollar a month comes out of your bank account. It goes to support what I'm doing. You know, so patreon.com forward slash thought eater. And I want to say a huge thank you to the folks back of me over on Patreon. Thank you very much. So anyway, I don't know what else can be said. It's just, uh, you know. It's uh, it's kind of stunning looking back at, at at all the stuff, just knowing that it's going to be another week of this stuff, you know, right around the corner. It never stops. It's just uh, um, it's it's a beautiful thing. That's that's why I do this show because it's so amazing to me, and I like to share it. So, 
Anyway, if you have any comments about anything we talked about, you can message me on the Anchor app, send me an email, frothsoftfrothsof at gmail.com. Remember, all these links are over at the Thought Eater blog, frothsoftdnd.blogspot.com. If you haven't already, check out that Friday show we talked about at the beginning of the episode, talking about GM's greatest weaknesses. It, it's, uh, it was enjoyable to do, and I hope it makes for an enjoyable listen. Also, I had the first session of my Froth University Savage Worlds 1980s horror comedy college game over the weekend. So session one, freshman orientation, is up now. You can go back and check that out. And uh, we I thought I wasn't going to be able to do to play this coming weekend. The dogs, my beloved bulldogs, are playing at night. But I'm hoping we'll be up by enough at halftime where we can just start a late game and, and do another one, um, have another session next week. So we'll see what happens. Other than that, I got nothing left. So it's time for Logan to play that sweet music. Sickly platypus, a psychic grenade Zeroing in on your mental trade Gonna help you escape from the grind Thought eater gonna blow your mind